Hi, and welcome to the Real Girls Club. My name's Lucy, your podcast host, and today we are back for the first episode of the year with Laura Torrenbeek. Laura is a green filmmaker and founder of Green Film Productions. She is currently working as a health and safety advisor and also a COVID coordinator on film sets. She's also currently studying to be an intimacy coordinator. In today's episode, we talk about sustainable filmmaking and how to make a production more green. For any new listeners, The Real Girls Club is a podcast where I interview women working across different roles in the film and TV industry in order to educate and inform and inspire you to work in the film and TV industry too. So I really hope you enjoy today's episode and remember to follow at Real Girls Club on Instagram for regular updates about podcast guests and also our film of the month and many other updates as well. Today I'm here with Laura Torrenbeek. Am I pronouncing your name properly? Yeah, that's fine. Great. I got it first time. Yes. So yeah, I want to talk to you all about your career as a filmmaker. I know you studied film both at Leeds and in Utrecht in the Netherlands. Yeah. But now you say you've been based in Leeds for the past eight years. So I want to sort of take it right back and like ask you what was sort of the moment where you realized you wanted to go into the film industry and study it? Um, Well, I've been thinking about this because I can't actually pinpoint the exact moment, but I um, used to do a lot of acting and um, when I say acting I mean like you know amateur acting in high school and nothing professional but I absolutely loved it and um, I loved the storytelling part of it and I think that kind of became you know my interest in uh, in storytelling and then my interest in filmmaking Um, so when I was about 18 19 is when I really thought yes I want to make films. So that was like your entry point. And so I suppose you're quite young then, um, you know, you're still a teenager. So to realise that at young age is um, pretty good, you know, sort of to have an idea of what you want to go ahead and work in. And you sort of made made it clear that you didn't want to continue in acting then. It wasn't that part that interested you really. No, I mean, I, I love working with actors and, and I love um, I loved acting uh, in itself, but I just knew it wasn't for me um, to right, yeah. actually continue. You prefer to be on the other yeah. side of the yes, camera. Yes, I did. Yeah. Um, so as someone who pursued film studies, um, how has that gone to influence your career? Because you've done, you did um, film studies in Utrecht, which was, um, if I'm correct, more like the analytical side. And then when you went to Leeds, it was more practical. So like, how has that influenced your, yeah, your career now as a filmmaker? And what were your studies like? What was your experience like as a film student? Well, my, my studies in Utrecht, it was, it was called audiovisual media. Um, it was both practical and, you know, analytical. Um, and uh, that was a four-year study. And then my MA was uh, two years. And um, with both of them, I just got a lot of... Um, um, I, I learned a lot and I was able to practice and make mistakes and I made so many like little short films or exercises that to be honest I don't really want you know anyone to see right now um but the time at film school was really the time when I was allowed to try things out and you know as I said make mistakes and I also made a lot of contacts and I think that is probably um one of the most valuable things um is that I made many friends many people that I still work with or whose work I follow um and 
yeah, I think that was the most valuable to me personally. So between, you know, back home in the Netherlands and then in Leeds, like what sort of difference did you see with, you know, the different cities of, you know, did you see that you could have more of a future in filmmaking in, in the UK and Leeds than back home? Or was that just a decision that, you know, you thought that Leeds had a lot going for it? Because I think they've got Channel 4 is in Leeds now, um, and I'm sure yeah. loads of other film production companies um, that I don't know of. <laughs> but yeah, did you feel like it had more opportunities going there? Well, to be honest, there are a lot of opportunities in the Netherlands, and I've, I've done some, you know, work placements there. Um, but um, I had this fascination with the UK, um, and I think it was partly formed by rom-coms, you know. <laughs> I, um, Notting Hill. I realized, yep, yeah, maybe. Uh, and I realised, you know, the UK is not really like that, but um, I just had this fascination for the UK, and I did a work placement um, at a film production company in London for three months, and I just really loved it. So I wanted to, um, to look at uh, master programmes uh, in the UK, and uh, I'd never been to Leeds. But um, yeah, when I got accepted, I decided to just move. And uh, now it's eight years later, I'm still here. Yeah, so you must really like it then to have stayed yeah, so yeah, long. Yeah. And I feel like you've even got a bit of a UK accent coming through. So I think <laughs> you know, it's all over the place. So it's, <laughs> a mixture of all yeah. the accents. Um, <laughs> so what is a typical day like for you at the moment then as a filmmaker? Has COVID had a, quite a big effect? Well, it's had an effect on everyone, but how has it affected you personally as a filmmaker? Has it made you change routes change paths because of what's happened you've had to sort of rethink your ideas. yeah that's an interesting question because um after I uh finished my MA I actually worked at um the film school that I went to for a little while and um then last year I uh, left and I started to work in health and safety um and that became work in the COVID team so I'm now in my like third production working in the COVID team um alongside you know working on my own productions mm-hmm. um but because that's still quite in the beginning phase um you know I'm I'm, I'm also I also have a have a um a job um as a COVID coordinator um on bigger productions and um yeah I have to say uh um I uh think what is what has changed now is like the whole COVID team that wouldn't have existed that's it it's a completely new role um but actually I want to train to become an intimacy coordinator Um, wow okay interesting um but I find that really interesting also that the well it's a shame that it's had to happen like that but it has opened up new roles for people because there need to be people dealing with the COVID related issues I guess that's with making sure everyone's tested what what does that involve then as a COVID coordinator on a film set it's um it's different on each production because it's such a new team but yeah making sure people are uh, getting tested before they come in when they're in you know scheduling all that stuff um the frustrating part is that it's you know one of the most polluting teams I think and I find that really difficult frustrating um, yeah yeah very frustrating but um other than that you know it, it I I do love it and it gives me a lot of experience as well on um, on bigger productions mm-hmm well I'd love to go on to talking more about you wanting to go into intimacy coordination because I've spoken with them had an interview with uh, Ito O'Brien who's kind of like leading that whole movement um so that's really interesting that you want to go into that and but first of all I'd like to talk about your own company Green Film Productions and how that came to life 
Um, so Green Film Productions, I started it uh, a year, a year and a half ago. Um, it kind of came to life because um, I started to become more interested in um, sustainability in the film industry or not necessarily more interested, I started to learn about it. So when I was a student, and um, um, you know, I did my graduation films, thinking back now, it was very, you know, buying stuff, throwing it away, um, just using things one time. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I didn't really think about it. And then when I started working for the film school and I was supervising student productions and I saw so many different productions like every day, and I realized how many bin bags were filled every day, um, which I mean, I don't blame the students. Like this is just something that, you know, was just the case, you know, mm -hmm. you would just buy everything um, um, as cheap as possible and, uh, you know, throw it away. And um, and then I thought, actually, there's, you know, this needs to change. And I started looking online and I saw there were, um, you know, people out there who were already working on sustainable uh, on making film. Uh, production sustainable and then I decided to um, set up a sustainability program at the film school and um, um, that meant that students had to um, submit their sustainability plans for their films before they went out to shoot and, and all that and um, uh, that actually kind of um, changed into me wanting to make my own films um, greener and then um, yeah, then I said, okay, cool. Because <laughs> yeah. um, I would say it's quite, I mean, for me anyway, it's relatively new about making film production sustainable. I don't think, um, well, I mean, if you go right back to when films are made for the first time, like that probably or definitely wasn't their priority. It was just about getting the films made, about making money, um, about making the actors stars. You know, it's not really about thinking about the fact that, you know, these films will have. You know the things that are all used for the films um it would be a lot more useful if they had like an afterlife you know and went on to the next film and things were recycled yeah. and things like that and um i recently did some training um online with um albert which is with bafta oh, yeah. um yeah. and i you know it was quite a lot of it was quite a little bit depressing but also quite like eye-opening um to see you know what can be done and what we can do and they talked a lot about this other thing called planet placement where um you know you're putting the climate at the center of the story so is that something that interests you and in, in your filmmaking um that you'd like to have stories or work on stories um that concern the climate and what kind of stories would you like to tell um that's a that's a good question also I did a uh, training with Albert as well and uh, it was very depressing and I agree <laughs> I completely agree with you yeah all the facts um, and the figures are a bit like whoa uh, this we're terrible we're the worst people yes. ever <laughs> Yes, exactly. Um, I uh, when I learned about planet placement, I thought that was you know brilliant, and I've been like every time I see something in a film that has something to do with um, putting something sustainable in, which could be a physical object, or it could be a conversation, or it could be anything. Mm -hmm. um, I just get really excited. Um, in my film so far, I I, um, I haven't done that be just because that you know a lot of them I made before. Um, knowing that I, yeah. I knew about yeah um, but um, I definitely want to want to make it a priority because um, you don't necessarily have to have like the whole film revolve about um, the climate but 
having a conversation between people or normalize recycling, um, normalize um, reusing, um, all of that is, you know, part of planet placement. Mm -hmm. And I think almost every film production could do that in one way or another. Definitely, yeah. Um, I mean, thinking about the films that you've just shared with me that I'll be sharing on Instagram later, haven't done it yet, but I've prepared the post. Um, you've picked five yeah. films um, that do have a sort of climate change environment at the cent- environment sort of related story at the centre of it. And the most recent one I can think of um, is Don't Look Up, which came out just, I think it was on Christmas Eve or something like that, or yeah, Boxing Day. Um which I watched and you know it's had so many mixed reviews like there's people like people saying it's too obvious we know this already and then there's people saying no it's great that we're actually talking about this I think there was actually an article in the Guardian um with a climate change scientist and he was saying it's the sort of reality that he sees every day um what they're talking about in the film so yeah I think you know I think it's always healthy when a film is pulled in two directions like that you know you've got some people saying this and that but like your reason for picking the film I think it is interesting that it does open up that conversation and it's making things like that more common like seeing people maybe for example in another film seeing someone use an electric car or eat a vegan burger or whatever just like small little behaviors like that that can sort of go into the the subconscious um I think is really important um but I was wondering that I mean maybe it's quite obvious but apart from like all the waste and things that you noticed on film sets what other ways do you think the film industry is contributing to climate change and like what easy ways could you know just up-and-coming filmmakers put in these little changes in order to to make their productions just a little bit more yeah healthy uh, sustainable yeah um well I think um a lot of it has to do with energy you know depending on the project. Um, using all all the lighting, all the camera equipment, uh, mm-hmm. or generally equipment, um, and travel, um, that's just an insane amount um, of energy that's that's being used. And um, I think that is a very um, important part uh, in filmmaking that you can look at and make changes. Now, COVID hasn't made it easier because things like sharing cars or you know stuff like that it's it's harder because it's not always allowed and you know mm-hmm. there's health and safety rules against it so in a way I feel like the pandemic has obviously set us back um um when it comes to green filmmaking um but I I think you should um look at every department when when you start or actually before you well before you start filming in pre-production or even in development um just think about like everything that you're going to do and make it almost a challenge for yourself to see how you can make it more sustainable. Like mm-hmm. each department has ways of making it more sustainable. Um, you know, um, even things like reusable batteries um, is maybe a small thing, but it is, you know, something. Um, and I think it, what's really important is um, to communicate it to your crew that, you're planning on you know making a a sustainable film um so because what I've you know what I've been thinking um you have to take climate change into into, um you have to take the climate into everything you do I think so Mm -hmm. you know in on, on film on film productions um they have a lot of 
uh, they put a lot of money in like safety, health and safety, which is mm-hmm. great. It's really important. But I think that thinking about how your film affects the climate, uh, the climate is just as important. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same amount of energy and money needs to be put into that, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, especially considering, well, going back to the film again and don't look, don't look up and considering one of the lead actors in it is you know, such a big advocate for climate change and sustainability and like saving the planet and everything he does. So it would only make sense to think, well, yeah, why don't you make that a priority on the film sets that you're going on to um, and mention it to people, even if, you know, maybe you're not in a position to to do anything about it. I think it's still a good thing to say um, mm-hmm. and share with other people and say, well, why don't we try this alternative? Have you ever, on any of your productions or in any productions that you've been in noticed any kind of like conflict or friction when trying to suggest these things and people are not that interested or they think it's going to waste their time or it's going to make their production of less good quality because they're focusing too much on that at all um no not not from the position that I've like been in on on productions that I've, I've worked on um I worked in a production that had actually had a green runner on it who um who's like sole task was to make it as green as possible and you know that was a an Albert production mm-hmm. um and um you know you, you get you get these moments where people are like oh why can't we just have a plastic water bottle it's it's a small thing um I don't really know about the conflicts within uh departments or um I haven't had it on on any of the shoots that I did myself everyone was really um you know, any of the shoots that I, I produced, I mean, everyone was very into the uh, green filmmaking um, uh, mm-hmm. part. But I, I'm sure there are people who would like to, uh, you know, just, oh, wait, I actually, I, yeah, now you just <laughs> remember one, Meatless Mondays. Meatless Mondays. Uh, is, yes, uh, okay. That's a thing oh from my God. Germany, so people, right? Sorry? No, is that something that started in Germany or am I getting that mixed up with somewhere else? I don't Might know. Might be. I'm not I'm not sure but that was on a production that I was on there was this big production and they did meatless Mondays mm-hmm. and every Monday there were like people complaining really and I, yeah I'm a vegetarian myself like it like I was actually really happy with it but yeah there were one day is that were, hard like, really for people complaining. yeah they, they were like <laughs> some not everyone but some people like just yeah they just they just hated it and it was like ruined Monday yeah mm. I mean, um, <laughs> ruined the Monday I mean yeah, yeah talk about mon- people find Mondays is difficult like you know one of the more difficult days of the week so uh, and then if you <laughs> remove the fact that they can't eat meat maybe they'll get a bit more grumpy sometimes if you're a vegetarian yourself or a vegan and then all your friends around you are or your family or whatever it can have this sort of like echo chamber effect where you think well everyone else must be um must be doing the same as me but then you actually realize no there's a lot of people that aren't like for me in France for example there's so many meat meat, meat eaters and the whole concept of veganism and everything is just so foreign to them what I was going to ask next anyway I'll just go into the next thing um yeah I wanted to talk about your other project called girls wear capes is that correct girls in capes, capes? <laughs> girls with capes with capes Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, so what's that project about? Um, that's uh, That came about in 2020, actually, when we were all in lockdown, the first lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just wanted to start like a new project. And um, 
this was actually inspired by my little sister who's 10 now and um, yeah and she has uh, um, this coat that's a cape mm-hmm. and she looks really cool in it um, but obviously she's like the only one of her friends who has like such a great coat and um, <laughs> she looks very confident in it and mm-hmm. um, she told me she was like teased with it a little bit but that she didn't Aww. care because she just liked it yeah um, I mean at that age her. you know you you wear what you well any age hopefully you wear what you want yeah but she's a very like confident little girl and she's a big inspiration to me and that's when I kind of thought actually I would love to make a a web series Mm -hmm. um called girls with capes where um you know you do different episodes and each episode is is a is a film in itself it's about seven minutes Mm -hmm. um that is suitable um well suitable for everyone but um mainly interesting for uh girls between seven and and you know 17 like it's it's a big um uh big age group but I think uh, I wanted to focus on um female centered stories Mm -hmm. and um I put a I put out a call and um asked people to send in their ideas and then I chose five for the first well, first season, I say, uh, I mean, I'm hoping to make more. Um, we've shot two and a half of them now. Um, and um, so, I mean, it's been taking a while and, and part of it is obviously the pandemic. Um, but yeah, they're all stories written and directed by women, all completely different from documentary to like sort of a uh, spoken word piece to fiction. Um, so yeah, I've been working on that and uh um, it's also really about you know empowering the filmmakers and you know um, them getting their work made and mm-hmm. I don't like like meddle much in their like productions like I'm I'm involved with it and everything but mm-hmm. I'd, like, you're supervising but ultimately they they, they make the I, stories yeah I, I chose the stories um, and their ideas because I think they have a voice mm-hmm. um, to tell this with if that makes sense and I don't you know want to hmm. um, and that's it's going to be published online did you say it will be yeah I'm not sure okay. when yet because um I'd like to do it when when, when we have all five yeah um, there will be a website created and it will be um yeah well probably girlswoodcapes.com uh or something along that those sounds lines like a great idea yeah. and, and it's, it's so nice that it was your sister that inspired you and um I mean would you because alongside you know climate change that's another thing that really inspires you is stories about women or by women necess- or is that something else that's really um that you're you're passionate about yeah it definitely is it definitely is um yeah and uh combining them um is even better you mentioned earlier uh, before the technical difficulties <laughs> uh, you mentioned earlier that you're now looking to go into intimacy coordination so how did that come about and is it something you've started or you're about to start what's what's happening um, there well when I um, saw that intimacy coordination was a thing when I read about it I was like oh this is this is great that's what I want to do um, you know it's very important and I um I mean I think it should have you know existed way sooner um because you know if you have stunt coordinators and fight coordinators and why wouldn't you have an intimacy coordinator but um 
so I, th I think it's it's beautiful that it exists and um I started reading more about it listening to podcasts and um um you know I've been following uh Ito O'Brien who you interviewed and um I've done a few online uh workshops and I now started with um an online training um but I am looking to do you know more uh, training in person so I, I'm, I'm mm -hmm. I've literally just started the training I haven't okay. done any early days yeah it's very early days but I uh, it's definitely something that I want to I want to do want mm -hmm. to yeah I agree with you when I after interviewing Ita um I was talking about it with her and I just thought yeah of course like why didn't this exist before it makes perfect sense and it's so strange that it wasn't even talked about or thought about such a long time ago but I think I don't know, I guess with the film industry or maybe just entertainment industry, I don't know, being so, I mean, it's so, there's so many great things about it, but also as everyone knows, it's like in the recent years with the Me Too movement. And so, exactly, yeah. Because there's, there's such a difference in power and difference, there's such a hierarchy and um, it's really easy to abuse that power. And uh, um, I think it's, I think it's good that it's it starts, you know, to tumble a little and uh and that you know um we're shaking things up and um it, it won't solve everything unfortunately there will always be um you know things happening unfortunately and and I think uh what I mean is that there are just there are people that have too much power um mm -hmm. in the industry um and that is very dangerous and I think as an intimacy coordinator, um, you can definitely make changes um, with how people feel on set. And when you work with actors, and I, I say this as someone who's is, as I said, just started training. So, you know, um, I don't have all the knowledge yet, but mm -hmm. what I find interesting is that as an intimacy coordinator, you, um, you are the one that the actors go to and, um, you are sort of sort of impartial in a way, but you look out for their best interests and you make sure they feel safe um, so that they don't get forced into things that they don't want to because mm -hmm. um, they're afraid of consequences. Mm -hmm. I think I think acting in it itself, it's very vulnerable. Like you're putting yourself in a vulnerable position as a as an actor. Mm -hmm. So um, there should definitely be um, people around or, or resources um, that can help you definitely but not, uh, not just acting, uh, crew as well I mean there's a lot of sort of quite stressful things to deal with in a film set as much as it is a lot of fun and it's sort of a really fun creative environment um it can also be probably you know like any other work environment if it's not managed in the right way it can be quite stressful or and also the harmful. subject matter of, of of a project could be triggering or you know yeah that uh, too yeah yeah Exactly. Um, so I was wondering who in the film industry at the moment, um, which women are inspiring you and who do you think sort of carving out an interesting path for themselves, whether that's a, an actress or someone that's a filmmaker? Well, I've, I've been looking at like directors for this for this question, really. Um, I just watched a film called Shiva Baby. And it's <gasps> yes. by... Have that. you watched it? Yeah, I watched like, it on, on I'm movie. Emma Seligman I'm not sure if I yes. pronounced her name right yeah um and I believe it's her first feature and mm -hmm. I just thought it was amazing and uh um yeah I think we're gonna see big things 
and um yes from her and one of the best series that I watched last year I know it's from the year before uh but was I May Destroy You and um I know yes um, music to my ears you're saying everything that I love (laughs) (laughs) all my favorite um directors and filmmakers as well so yeah and I think I mean she's she's utterly done a lot up until now already Mm -hmm. but um I think I just want to watch everything that she does and is going to do and I also really loved uh, Promising Young Woman. I haven't um, seen that yet. You got me there. Oh, There's one thing I haven't powerful. seen. <laughs> very, by, um, by Emerald Fennel. Um, yeah. It's very powerful. But there there will be so so many more. And a lot of women behind the scenes. Like I always get really excited when I see more women in um, um, you know technical crew roles. Because you don't always see that. Mm-hmm. Um, in the camera department or grip department. or. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I name directors now, but really having more women. And I, I say I say men and women, but to be honest, anyone who doesn't, you know, who identifies as whatever gender, who is um, not male, um, mm-hmm. they have some sort of, um, they're, they're underserved in the industry. I always get excited when I, when I see um, people, uh, filmmakers um, working their way up. As you say, the more people that are working on film sets and all the different roles, I think the more accessible it's going to look and for for other women as well to go in. Because I don't know about you, but I felt a way back at maybe high school. But then I think that's really a bit too early to even get interested in film at that point. But it just never really seemed like something was encouraged for us. You, You never really saw women holding cameras in the same way or or... No. Or, or doing the jobs so you just didn't really see yourself in it because there was no like representation there exactly and what I what I noticed at film school as well actually was like the gender balance and you know I'm, I'm talking about the binary now but um was about 50 50 mm-hmm. but when you go into the film industry it's you know it's completely off mm-hmm. so something happens in between film school and the real world for the people that go to film school um so the i the industry should be way more open for mm-hmm. um you know mm-hmm. women uh and, and anyone who's like um underserved in, in the industry really mm-hmm. so that could sort of bring us on to my on to my next question is what would you like to see change um you know in an ideal world what would you know, not a perfect, because I don't think that could ever exist, but, you know, a more healthy, all-round, you know, better film industry for everybody, what would that look like to you? First of all, climate change needs to be, like, taken as seriously as anything else um, in the production. And um, I don't think people have the right to pollute, um, you know, the earth in the process of, of making some of making something. I mean... Everything we do has an impact, but it should be a priority um, in filmmaking to not have too much, you know, impact on the on the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and second of all, I think it's important that the gender balance is a lot fairer, and um, that we see more diverse stories by more diverse people. What I find really hopeful uh, is that there's this company in the US um, called Earth Angel, 
and um, they provide like sustainability on set like they they have people who literally go through the trash and recycle things and you know I think uh, and I think as well as like make a plan on how to make you know every department more sustainable mm-hmm. um, and I'm seeing um, that on you know more and more big productions um, that actually sustainability sometimes sometimes and it not enough yet but becomes its own department mm-hmm. and that's what I think should happen that mm-hmm. it should be its own department yeah definitely we can end this um interview on a positive note obviously we don't want to make it like oh no the world's doomed everything because that's not true I think it's all about hope um as Jane Goodall was would say she said it's all about hope and it's important to have hope about it um so yeah any are there any more things that you feel positive and excited about that you think oh these people are doing things they're changing things like you know what kind of for people listening and people that are are interested you know what could they do um maybe if they want to make a difference or get involved or find out who's doing things like that to to make a better more sustainable film industry any Um, advice final advice oh god Um, (laughs) sorry it was a massive question no no I think and this sounds a bit cliche but I think change starts with yourself so look at what you can do to make changes and make it more of a habit um I think once sustainability gets more ingrained in in you like in your personal life and um you know it's much easier to do that at work as well um and uh someone else that I follow on Instagram actually who um I really admire is uh is an account called Trashes for Tossers say that again and, uh, Trash is for Tossers Trash is for Tossers okay got you <laughs> it's great so I, I follow a lot of like zero waste accounts and um mm-hmm. I'm not zero waste um or even close to it even though I would love to mm-hmm. um but it's it's very inspiring and when you surround yourself with people who are you know making those changes it's mm-hmm. it's easier to do it yourself as well of course um so yeah and uh i also think it's important to you know in the film industry in, in your workplace um when you have a new idea of, of making things sustainable bring them up so I so as I said I've been working in the COVID team and I now found a place that um remakes old tests and uh, face masks into furniture mm. so I suggested it and they they want to take it on board wow. so now we're gonna you know mm-hmm. do that and um just a suggestion like that can make a big change so mm-hmm. I would just say if you have an idea of how to make things better in your department or just generally say it and see yeah. what you can do thank you for tuning in to today's episode i hope it was inspiring and insightful for you and that you learned a bit more about sustainable production in the film industry whether you want to make your own production sustainable or you're just simply curious about how the film industry can be more green then i hope that this episode taught you something new I'll be back with my 10th and final episode of season one of the podcast and I'll see you in the next one.